Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Arena Mansfield, and it's good to have you with us today. Um, just as I, I get to my message, I, I feel compelled to just um, share Psalm 23. That song, Goodness of God, I want you to know today, God is good. I was just so impacted by that, and I felt that some people maybe needed to hear, hear this. Psalm 23 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want you to know today that we serve a good God. We serve a God who is good in great times and in tough times as well. In relationship breakdown, he's good. In health trials, he is good. In times of trouble, in times of struggle, he is good. Does anybody else believe that today? We serve a God who is good. And I want you to know this, that even though you walk through a dark valley, even though you go through a a tough time, it might feel like God's left you. It might feel like you're on your own. Like Psalm 23 says, one version, the, the NLT version says this, your goodness and your love Pursue me. God's goodness and his his love pursues you. So in your time of trouble, in your time of hurt, if you feel like you're going into a tough season or you're in a tough season, I want you to know this today, that God is good and his mercy and his love and his goodness pursue you and follow you. That's a word for somebody today. I don't know who. Anyway, we're in this series called Let's Talk About Faith. Every time I say that, I think about the George Michael song, so you got to have? Wow, you guys are so godly, you don't know any of the... Wow. So you got to have? The front rows aren't that godly, it seems. <laughs> Come on, one more time. And you got to have faith, the faith, the faith. That's right. I'm an inspiring pop star. Get me on Pop Idol or whatever it's called. Pop Idol, no, that, now, now I'm showing my age. Everyone like under 30 is like, Pop Idol, what's that? You've never heard of Gareth Gates, have you? If you've not heard of him, you are missing something. Let me tell you, life is not full. You can't live the full life if you've never heard of Gareth Gates. What a guy. What a guy. My wife, true story, had a, a, a poster, a full-size poster of Gareth Gates on her wall. And it's still on our bedroom wall today. (laughs) We're in this series, let's talk about faith. And today I want to talk about the, the life of faith. Let's go to Hebrews 11. It says this. Let's read it together, actually, as it comes on the screen. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
the writer here is explaining that faith is not like you don't have to have faith to believe in this chair, do you? Like it's there, it's, it's right here. But we have to have faith to believe in God, to believe that His goodness and His mercy pursue us. You have to have faith to believe that, don't you? You have to have faith to know that God is with you while we feel His presence at times. And by the way, there's sometimes where we go through life where actually it feels like his presence is not close to us. Anybody who's been in faith will know that feeling. We have to have faith to believe that he's with us. We have to have faith to believe that he formed the earth. We have to have faith to believe that Jesus died and rose again for us. And the question I want to ask right at the start of the message today is this. Are you living a life of faith? Or are you walking in fear? Are you living a life of faith? Or are you walking in fear? I think the norm in our world today is to live in fear. Fear of the future. Fear over finances. Fear of war. Fear around politics. Fear of the people around us. If this wasn't true, the newspapers wouldn't be filled with fear. They say it. Fear sells. Fear sells newspapers. It's why the news oftentimes is, is so negative and why you have to be careful what you read and what you're letting into your spirit because people are enticed by fear. Oh, fear of financial collapse. Fear of what's going to happen with coronavirus. We can't keep our eyes off of it. I've spoken about the corona reports. Who remembers that when we were in lockdown? Everyone's getting PTSD now. Um, while, we're, while we're in lockdown and, and you're like, Five o'clock every day. Come on, let's get Boris on the TV. Let's hear how bad it is. Let's hear how many people's died. We sat clocks around it, didn't we? We're enticed by fear. Are we living in faith or are we walking in fear? But the Bible tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So we're called to be powerful, we're called to walk in love, and we're called to be of sound mind. And this is the fruit of a life of faith. The fruit of a life of fear is confusion, is anxiety, and is no purpose. Is that the world? Confused? Anxious, mental health, um, epidemic, pandemic, you could say, because it's throughout the world. More than ever before. It's the spirit of fear. But God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power. And of love. And of a sound mind. See the life of faith. Is a life of assurance. It's a life of confidence. It's one of hope. Now the confidence is not in me. It's not in how good I look. It's not in. How ripped I am. I am pretty ripped. <clears throat> it's not in the way I, I look, the way I dress, what I do, my talents. It's not in that. Because the reality is this. When you place your confidence in that stuff, it is so easily shaken. Because your looks will go. Your talents, sometimes you might be at the heights, higher the heights. And sometimes people aren't that bothered about what you do. Is that true? So if your life is based on the car you drive, the clothes you wear, the way you look, your confidence will be... And you see this. Someone was telling me about a football environment that they were in a dressing room and 
everyone, they said, oh, they had this, you know, this amazing confidence. But what you see in a lot of those environments, and I've been in sport environments in different contexts, is this, that that confidence is a mask for insecurity. And as soon as you get someone on their own, it's removed. It's gone. So we're not talking about a confidence in ourselves. We're talking about a confidence in something else. A confidence in God. A God who is unshakable. A God who does not lie. A God who says he will never leave us or forsake us. A God whose mercy and love follows us all the days of our life. A God who says, I am not a man that I should lie. So our confidence is not in something that's shakable, something that's changing. Our confidence is in a God who is unshakable. Our confidence is in the God who spoke the earth into being. Our, God, our confidence is in a God who is always there, who always cares, who is always for us. So we can keep our confidence because it's based upon God. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I don't know about you, but I want to live a big life. I've never heard anybody say to me, ah, oh, Josh, I want to live a small life. I want to be insignificant. We can live a significant life as we lay our lives down to Jesus. As we say, Jesus, I'm going to put my trust in you. Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to put my faith in you. See, fear makes us small. And I think we've all probably felt some of these elements at t- in times of our lives because it stops us stepping out. Haven't you ever had a great idea or something that you thought, oh yeah, like your heart's stirring, you're thinking, yeah, this, this could be great. And then you start to think, yeah, but what will that person think? What will that person say? What if it doesn't work out? What if it goes wrong? Anybody or is that just me? That's the voice of fear. It seeks to confine us. It seeks to trap us in anxiety, always telling us why we can't. But the faith life, it leads to stepping out, to dreaming big dreams, to taking leaps of faith, to going where God calls. Fear tells you why you can't. Faith asks, why not? Faith says, why wouldn't we? Why can't we? And I don't want to go back into Joshua and Caleb because I spoke about them a few weeks ago. But there were 12 spies that were sent out. 10 says, why we can't? And two said, why can't we? And by the way, those two went on to lead and and take the land that they spoke about. The other 10 never even saw it. Because of their faith. The faith life has led people all over the world to set up businesses, to start churches, to open up charities, to serve remote communities that no one's ever heard of, to take up the mantle of leadership, to bring about social change. And today from Hebrews 11, I want to look at the three elements of faith that we see in the Faith Hall of Fame. The first one is the example of a guy called Abel. Verse 4 of Hebrews 11 says this, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. See, Cain and Abel, they had access to great resources. They were the, 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 the first sons on the planet. They had access to this 
<clears throat> bountiful land, this great land, this great space, this expanse. They had the same opportunity, but Cain chose to be stingy and Abel chose to be generous. Because guess what? It takes faith to live a generous life. It takes faith to live a generous life. I believe there's a season coming, and I hope I'm wrong, but I believe there's a season coming that for many will be marked by great stinginess. That will be marked by holding, by selfishness, because of fear. Because of fear of what things are going to cost, because of fear of... um, the economy because of fear of the housing market and all these different things, for many, it will be marked by great selfishness. But we're called to live different than that. We're called to be different than that. See, selfishness and stinginess, they come from the root of fear. It comes from this whole idea of, I have to take care of me. I need to put me first. One of the biggest things on Instagram you see, I've I've said about this before, but someone put, last year I saw a post, The one thing I learned from this year was I need to put me first. If you want a a, a bad life, a tormented life, do that. There are literally studies that are outside of Christianity that show if you want to have thriving mental health, one of the best things you can do, serve others. Serve others. So it comes from this idea, I need to put me first. I need to look after my own. and I have to look after my bit. So, and while we need to be wise, we need to be wise, don't we? We need to be wise with our resources. We need to be wise with our money. But I believe this, that great stewardship leads to great freedom. I've always believed it over my life. I used to go out, when I used to run quite a bit, I used to say to myself on the way out, discipline leads to freedom. Discipline leads to freedom. Discipline leads to freedom. And it's true when it comes to generosity, that great discipline, great wisdom, great stewardship leads to great freedom. See, selfishness is a temptation that we all feel at times. I think it's a a common problem with the human condition. We can be selfish at times. We are so wrapped up in our own world. Is that true? We're so wrapped up with me, with how I'm feeling, with how I'm doing. We've got great grace for ourselves, but we don't have great grace for others because we see everything from our perspective. The problem with with that is that everyone else sees things from their perspective. So that's why if we're not careful, we butt heads and our perspective is right and their perspective is right. Just a side note, it's why it's really important not to judge motives. The Bible actually says this, don't judge motives because um, you yourself don't even know your own motives sometimes. That's the Bible. It's true, isn't it? But what we do, we get caught sometimes and falling out with people even when we've not even spoken to people, judging people based upon what they've done because we've judged their motives. You have no idea. Anyway, that was, just, that was free. <laughs> but selfishness is a temptation that we all feel. Every time we come to our, our legacy giving, if you've been around here, you'll know that each year we give a, an offering over and above our tithes. Um, which is to go to legacy, so things in the future, things that are going to cement uh, arena and grow arena for the next 100 years so that the church will be greater for our kids than it is in our day. I don't know about you, but that's the legacy I want to leave. Every year it comes around, I'm tempted by this whole thing of selfishness. I pray about it. There's a number that comes to my head. I'm like, 
Is that me or is that God? <laughs> Anyone else done that? Oh, that can't be God. <laughs> You'd never get me to give £2.50 God to your own house. I always do it. I always do it every year. It's, like, it's the same routine. I probably should learn from it, Andy, probably. Same routine. I'm going to pray it through. I'm going to pray it through. I'm going to pray it through. And I can't get the flipping number off my head. I'm like Rain Man for a month. <laughs> but I'm tempted by selfishness, and I have to overcome that. Now, quite frankly, when it comes to tithes and offerings for Helen and I, that's not a problem for us because we've ingrained it in our lives. We've seen the fruit of it. We've seen how God had has led us through times when we had nothing. I'll tell the story very shortly, but Helen and I got married like I was 21. Um, She robbed me from my mum and dad, really. (laughs) And we'd bought a house. You know, we were both fairly comfortable in our jobs and stuff. Within six months, we both lost our jobs. Like, out of nowhere, bizarre. And uh, Helen had a health scare at the same time and stuff. But we continued to put God first with the tithe, with the very little that we had in that moment. And we always had more than enough. We always had more than enough. So for us, tithing is not an issue. It's just, it's a standard thing. But when it comes to this, it always, you know, it, it's, it's been this thing that I've had to wrestle with and bring myself into a, to alignment with what God's saying rather than what I want to do. But we see from Hebrews 11, that Abel gave his generous offering by faith. He gave the best of his crop, it says. He gave the the, the first fruits. He he gave the best of what he had. He didn't give from, from fear of what might happen next year. He gave in faith that God would provide. Because that can be easy, can't it? Yeah, but what God, what, if I give this, what about what, what happens next year? What if next year is not as good as this year? What if I've not got as much next year? as Is that right? Anybody else? Abel could have given like that because he was a farmer. So realistically, it was a bit more out of his hands than, than our, our, role, our jobs are at times. But he gave in faith. It always takes faith to give. It always takes faith to be generous. And I believe that we have an opportunity in this season to show the world that in the midst of great selfishness and greed, we will continue as the people of God to be open-handed. We'll continue to be generous with our resources, with our time, with our words, that we'll continue to be generous. Because you know that when selfishness grabs you in one part, it it transforms to all parts of your life. It's true in... In the goods, you know, Jesus talked about the the yeast that worked its way through the dough. It's the same with fear and selfishness. So what happens is you become selfish with your possessions and then you become selfish with your words. And then you become selfish with your time. And then you're just selfish. (laughs) Someone like that. So what we do is this. In this season where... It could be marked by selfishness. As the people of God, we have to continue to prove God's word and be generous. Generous with the way we are, generous with the, our, our time. Even when we're going through tough stuff, by the way. Even when we're going through the darkest valley. Even when we're going through hard times. We continue to be generous in the way that we can. We continue to be open-handed. We continue to be open-hearted. We continue to give our time and our resource to help others. And like it was for Abel, for us, it will be an act of faith.
trusting that with the tithe, with our offerings, as you honour God with what you have, that he'll look after us. Trusting that as we share what we have, like that little boy who shared his lunch, there'll be more than enough to go around and there'll be an excess. Trusting that as we're generous with our time, with our attention and with our words, that our lives will make a difference. It takes faith to live a generous life. Let's look at our next character, a man called Noah. We see him in verse 7. It says this, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became, listen to this, what a title. The heir of the righteousness that's in the keeping with faith. Wow. See, Noah had the faith to live different. Noah had the faith to live different. When we find Noah in Genesis 6, the world is in a mess. Probably the worst it had ever been in history before the great flood. Verse 5, it explains it like this. It says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. I don't know about you, but I think that was a bad time to be alive. <laughs> the only incli- that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Now, we live in a time where there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world. I don't think we're quite there. Anybody else? But this is what Noah lived in. It wasn't good. But there was this man who by faith, he lived different. See, it's easy when you're surrounded by all kinds of bad stuff to become bad. When you're surrounded by selfishness, the hardest thing to do is to be generous. When you're surrounded by gossip, it's really hard to hold your tongue. When you're surrounded by fear, it's really hard to be a person of faith. That's why people say you'll be the average of the five people closest to you. That's why they say it. That's why you need to be careful with the people you spend most time with. Because that is true. But this man Noah, in the midst of the mess the earth was in, in Genesis 6, is described as a righteous man. He's actually described as the heir of righteousness. Blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Do you know how hard it is to live righteously when you're surrounded by wickedness? It's hard. Like how hard is it in your workplace to live righteous? How hard is it in your friendship group? How hard is it when you're out, you know, with people who don't come to church to honour the word of God, to live righteous, to live with clean hands and a pure heart in, in the world? It's tough at times, yeah? Or is it just me? It's tough. It's easy this morning. It's easy for us this morning. Like, yeah, me and Andy, like, we're the perfect Christians on Sunday. Let's go. Look at us. We're so good. Like, I am like, like Abraham on a Sunday morning. I'm so good. The problem is we have to wake up on Monday. And we have to go into this thing called the world. But the, the, the problem is at times we've tried to do the righteousness thing without being in the world. And then it doesn't count. It doesn't count. The Bible says this, we're called to be in the world and not of the world. So 
if we're not of the world, but we're not in the world, then we're faking it. But if we're in the world and we're of the world, we're faking it as well. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's what Noah typifies here. This is what Noah demonstrates how to be. He was a righteous man in the most wicked moment of human history. And the challenge to you and me today is this. Can we do the same? Can we live righteous in a world that would want us to do all kinds of stuff? In a world that says, you do you. In a world that says, there's no real truth. Your truth is, is what's right. Can we choose to say, actually, no, there is a truth. And it's the word of God. Just me and two others believe that. It's hard. And Noah had this, it's so easy to look at the Bible and think, yeah, Noah's in the Bible, like he never had the challenges that we have. It's easy to do that because we read it. We've read it so many times. If you've been around church, like you've, you've heard these stories. And Noah and the ark, he went in the ark two by two. Yeah, what a nice little story. This is not a nice little story. This is a story of amazing persistence. This is a story of a man who was at times outcast from society. This is a story of a man who actually was an offence to people because of the way he lived. This is not a nice little story. We know how hard it is. Oh, I'll just look at that image because everyone else is. I'll just fiddle my taxes a bit because my mates are. I'll keep all I have to myself. It's survival of the fittest. I'll just tell a fib to get out of trouble. Everyone bends the truth. I'll have the extra drink. Everyone's letting their hair down. You get the drift. While it might feel easy to be righteous this morning, to live different in our world is hard. It takes character. It takes faith. And there's this thing in common with faith people. They live different. They choose to live God's way rather than the world's. They choose to stand out and shine. You see it with the heroes of the Bible. Daniel, I love Daniel. I love the story of Daniel. Daniel is described as having a spirit of excellence. Come on, anybody else want to live like that? Daniel's amazing because he was a refugee who got made to the highest place in society. Can you imagine that with an Albanian or, you know, a a Romanian in our society coming to this place and being so exalted to the highest place that they live so well, so excellently that they were exalted to the highest place in society. But this man, he lived so well that he was exalted to the highest place in society. Amazing. He's described as having a spirit of excellence. Joshua and Caleb, as we've spoke about, they were described as having a different spirit. You know, we've we've sort of been trained that to be different is bad. To be different is really good. At the right time. We don't have to be different for different sake, like just to try and be clever. To be different for the right reasons is good. Jesus described as being different to the religious leaders because his words and his actions lined up. It says he spoke as one with authority because he lived what he spoke. People of faith live different. Come on and read a Mansfield. It's time for us to live different. To live like Noah did with righteousness in the midst of a world that was wicked. It's time for us to prove the word of God in our world today. 
to demonstrate his love, to show a new integrity, to live with the peace that surpasses understanding, to walk with a holy confidence and to speak with a higher vocabulary. The Apostle Paul says, we have a better use uh, for dialect than that, talking about our speech. In Philippians 2 verse 14 to 16, it says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> I could have just left that. I could have just stood up, said that, and then sat back down. And it would have spoken to me more than you. <laughs> Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. As you hold, listen to this, firmly to the word of life. You can't do this without holding firmly to the word of life. That's the Bible. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. When we live different, we shine. You can't help but shine when you live different. You can't help but shine when you don't gossip in the workplace. You can't help but shine when you live with a confidence that's not based on you. You can't help but shine when everybody at work's being mean, but you're going to continue to love. You can't help but shine when you're going to continue to bless, even though people curse. You can't help but shine. And finally, in our walk through the Faith Hall of Fame, how could we not talk about Abraham? Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was not, so, sorry, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Just a reminder today that you have a bigger call than what's happening right here, right now. You have a bigger destination than what you're experiencing right here, right now. You are looking forward, if you know Jesus, you are looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's heaven. That's what we're looking forward to. Anybody else? The Apostle Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because what he was do, saying is this. I want to save people. I want to help people. I want to be here for people. But I can't wait for the city built above. I can't wait to go to the city where the foundations are God. And there's no sun because God's light shines on us. Yeah. I want you to, I want to give, if you've never read the Bible, flick to the end, we win. <laughs> we win. We win. And while we might go through tough stuff here on this earth, I want you to know today, while it's good to have goals and visions and purpose, we are going to a city that's not built by human hands. We're going to a city that's not based on your bank account. You're going to a, a place where the streets are paved with gold and where God will wipe away every tear. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. 
That is our inheritance, the city built above. So while you might be going through pain now, while you might be hurting now, while you might be in trouble now, while you might not like your situation now, you are going to a place where God himself will wipe away every tear. Praise God. The city built above. And Abraham could live with obedience on this earth because he was more concerned about that than he was about this. If you're so concerned about this, what people think, what you can accumulate, what you look like, the status in society, you will never live like that. The reason these men, the three of them, could live the way they did was because they had faith that they were going somewhere greater. That's how we live in faith today. That's how we do it today. I want you to know Elon Musk, probably the most successful man in this world, will be no more successful than the least of us in heaven. If he gets there. That's the reality. And do you know what? Actually, quite the opposite. There'll be people like Mother Teresa who never had anything in her life and she served the people of Calcutta all the days of her life as a slave. She chose to. She'll be the greatest in heaven. So you might feel great now driving around in your nice car and living in your nice house and stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But we'll get to eternity and God's scoreboard is very different to mine and yours. I don't know about you, but it's good to remind ourselves of that. It takes faith to live with obedience. Abraham's life, it was marked by obedience. And arguably, he is the most well-known man, well man to ever walk planet Earth. What started as a, you could say a gypsy, a wanderer, someone who lived in tents. Lost his wife a couple of times as well. <laughs> Got her back. He became a great nation because of his obedience. Abraham, he could have settled where he was. He could have stayed there and been happy with how far God had brought him. But God called him to something better. And because of his obedience, he was called, here's another great title. What was he called? Friend of God. Huh. The friend of God. These faith people, they always have great titles. David, a man after God's own heart. Noah, the son of righteousness. Abraham, the friend of God. The problem for Abraham, I see, is that he never quite knew what was going on. <laughs> Did he? He never quite knew what was happening. Like, he was there for the moment, he was available. But he was never quite sure what was coming next. And that's a lot like us at times. We, the Bible says, doesn't it? A man plans in his own heart, but the Lord directs his paths. And Abraham was a bit like that. That's the way I see it. That he never quite knew what was coming. He never quite knew where he was going. He had an idea where God was calling him, but he never quite knew what was next. But he trusted God. God told Abraham, he... In this amazing moment in the Bible, he, he says, Abraham, look up at the sky and count the stars 
if indeed you can count them. God's, I like that because God, God's like being a bit sarcastic. <laughs> he says, so shall your offspring be. Now this could have looked like a bit of a, a mean thing to do at that moment because Abraham and Sarah couldn't conceive. A bit rude, God, saying that. Like, I've got no kids. Why are you saying that to me? But Abraham, he held on to the word. And even in their old age, Sarah, I think 80 years of age, they've held on to this promise. And finally, she gave birth to a son. And it became the inheritance of Abraham. The thing I, th I see with Abraham is while he didn't know the next step, he always had faith for the next step. He always had faith for where God was taking him next. He always had faith to trust God and to walk in obedience. What about you today? What are you facing right now? Do you have faith for the next step or are you fearful? Maybe you're living a life of disobedience right now, whether you're a Christian or you don't know Jesus. Living your own way, doing your own thing and it's hurting you. You know it's hurting you because it's tearing you apart. You've lost your sense of purpose, direction, and you need guidance. I want you to know this. You can start the journey of living with faithful obedience today by coming back to Jesus, saying sorry for your disobedience, and saying, God, I want to have faith for the next step. I choose to follow you. Let's be like Abraham and live this life of faith with obedience. Let's be like Noah and live different. Let's be like Abel and live generously. Come, why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes as we finish. You're not praying, you're just giving people their moment, their privacy. The first thing is this, I don't know everybody here today. I don't know your situation, I don't know where you're at in your life, but I do know this, that God cares about you and he loves you. The Bible says this, that today is the day of salvation. What does that mean? It means you can be saved by Jesus and set free from your sin today. And while you might have not understood everything I've said today, something's happening in your heart. And that's God drawing you to him. That's Jesus drawing you close to him. And today, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, why don't you just lift your hand as a sign to you and to God that you want to get to know him that you want to start a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, just lift your hand now. Thank you. Is there anyone else today? Thank you, God. And today, we've spoken about this life of faith. Maybe you felt like you've been living in fear. Maybe you've lived that small life. You felt like you can't do anything. You've questioned everything that you do. You're scared and you're anxious in your life about any choice that comes up and it's limited you and it's stopped you. Maybe the story of Abraham resonated with you around obedience. Maybe you've lived a, a bit stingy in this moment because you've been scared. Maybe you've not lived different. You've pretty much fitted into whichever context you've been in. But today you say, I want to live the life of faith. I want to be like Abel. I want to be like Noah. I want to be like Abraham. I want to walk in faith. If that's for you today, why don't you just lift your hands? I'm going to pray for us all in a minute. And there's hands going up around the room. This is just your moment with God. 
So God, for the, the hands lifted, for the hearts open to you today, God, I pray by the power of your spirit, you would walk with them so that they can walk in faith. God, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you have given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And I speak your power, your love and your sound mind over your people, God. Lord, I speak your peace over your people. Lord, because fear, it, it seeks to rob us of our peace. It seeks to rob us of our joy. It seeks to rob us of our purpose and our contentment, God. But you give it to us. So I pray now that the spirit of fear would be gone and the spirit of faith would be loosed in your mighty name. Let the spirit of faith live in people's lives. God, I pray these people who've made a decision today that they would wake up tomorrow feeling different because they want to live and walk in faith. God, I pray for our church that we would be generous like Abel. God, I pray for our church that, they, that we would live different like Noah did. Lord, and I pray for our church that we would live with obedience like Abraham did so that we can honour you in our world today. In your mighty name. Amen.